football fans, and welcome back to the Underdog Podcast, where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. This is episode 43 of the show, and it is another edition of what we've been calling Joe Talk. And that's me, Joe Serpico, and on the other line, I got my good friend, Joey Brobeck. Say what's up, man. Hey, what's going on, Joe? We keep doing these on now on Tuesday nights, and that's the same night where these college football playoff rankings come out. And, man, we get fired up before we do these, don't we? Yeah, it's nice we can have our initial reaction, and that way it's kind of a genuine reaction instead of having to go back a couple days and remember how we felt about something. I, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. That's what I like about this. So with this episode, it'll be the first one of ours in which we bring on a third voice. It's the first time we will be doing that. And we're going to bring on uh, Nick Armstrong a little bit later. He is a student at USF, so we wanted to talk about the War on I-4 battle that is coming this weekend. And that will be something we talk about a little bit later as we look ahead to what's coming up this week. Obviously, that is the biggest matchup, like we've been saying all year. But we really want to start, like you just said, you know, genuine reaction to these rankings. I mean, I kind of said it on the group chat that we have together. How do they not, they being UCF, they don't move up at all. Like, not at all. Teams around them move up, down. They stand still. Bill Connolly, who pointed this out, who it is, from uh, SB Nation, if you don't know who he is, then I don't understand why you're uh, listening to this podcast, to be honest, because he is college football at SB Nation, and he said it perfectly. It just If you're not going to move UCF up at all, just tell G5 teams that they have no shot. Which is stupid. Just dumb. I mean, it just brings me back to my argument from last week, honestly. I mean, it's just proving my point now. Where if you're a G5 school, it really, you've got no shot. You've got no chance whatsoever. You might as well play your season out. Doesn't matter what you do. You can go 12 and 0, beat everybody by 30, which by the way, certain team almost has by a lot of these games this year. And it still doesn't mean anything. You compare resumes and it still doesn't mean anything. It's just one of those things that I, I don't understand. Honestly, at this point now, what does UCF have to do other than the obvious, which is run the table, to get at least into the top ten? I don't understand now why they're not in the top ten. I don't know if they can. Do you Do you think they can, even if they went out? I mean, they would have to, a bunch of teams ahead of them would have to lose, and I still don't even think they would make the top ten. Not because I don't think they belong, but because the committee's just not going to put them there. Yeah, and it comes back to what I said weeks prior, where is it just because they're a school that financially doesn't bring in as much money as the rest of the schools? Is that why they're not getting the same opportunity? I mean, that's the same school that not too many years ago that proved, hey, we can beat a Big 12 team. And we're going into this year, and you might say that Oklahoma's got a legitimate shot of winning it. Obviously, they're in you know in the top four right now, but none of those teams in the top four 
I can't say that. I can't say none of those teams in the top four. But, like, Oklahoma, all the teams in the top four has the best quarterback. I think we can't argue that, regardless of the whole spiel that happened this past weekend and whatnot. Um, I think they should just let him play regardless. I don't. They didn't shake his hand. But we only do G5 football on the show. But, again. Kansas might as well be G5, so screw them. You know what? That's that's perfect. That's perfect because they're pretty bad compared to hey, they suck. Hey, let's just put it this way: if if UCF has Kansas on their resume, that's a quality win. But they're apparently yeah yeah exactly. But if you were to say you were to get a win over say UCF this year over Memphis, a another ranked team, that's not a quality win apparently. Yeah, just the. Uh... I mean, it's just one of those things that I just, I don't really understand. What else do the, do the G5 programs have to do to get a, at least a little bit more love? Not in the top 10. An undefeated team. We've got teams with three losses in the top 25 ahead of a USF team that's only got one loss. And a USF team again coming into the season who was the highest ranked G5 team coming the year. And they have one loss to Houston. And granted, Houston came away with another bad loss this weekend that I guess kind of makes uh, UCF's loss look a little bit worse. But it's still only one loss. And it was really only a few bad plays in that game that was the deciding factor. So, again, comes back to the point. G5 schools, that they have no shot. We might as well give them something to play for in the end, like the FCS does. You know, and you know what's funny is they do this show on ESPN where they reveal the rankings and whatnot, and then when they do reveal them, they just sit there and talk about, oh, can Ohio State make it into the top four? Can they make a playoff run? Does Notre Dame belong? Does is Miami better than Clemson? Which okay, let's talk about that for a little bit. Not that they're G5 schools, but so Miami's ranked lower than Clemson last last week after they stomped Notre Dame, and then Miami barely beats Virginia, and Clemson kills the Citadel, and that's enough to move them up. Like, it just becomes so stupid to even pay attention to. But then even the show, they don't even talk about anybody that's below the top ten. They don't they don't bring up that Mississippi State jumps the UCF, and it's. Even it, it could be that UCF ranks 25th, and nobody on that network would even bother to mention that team. So not only is the committee not even going to talk about them, but the people who don't have to agree with the committee don't even say anything about them. I can't kind of argue with that just because of the fact, I mean, what is, for the sake of the show, what's the point of talking about the teams at the bottom? I mean, we talked about it last week. If your team's 15 through 20, which UCF is at this point, and you got Memphis in there also, I mean, what are you there? Fair enough. I would also, well, then I also, that that brings to my point, and I think we talked about this last week and you agreed, why is the committee ranking 25 teams? Their job is to pick four teams. Why are they ranking 25? Don't do this garbage at starting at week nine where you rank 25 teams when your job is to pick four. Just wait till the end of the year, 
reveal the four teams that are supposed to be in there, which is what your job is. You're not you're not a ranking committee, you're a selection committee. So pick the four teams at the end and go from there. Well, on that note, we could just make and this just kind of brings me back to my point where this comes back to the money in the end. When have we ever since we've come up with this college football playoff that basically a certain company kind of just bought where we put these things out every single week of who's going to be in the game. I mean, it used to be back in the day where it was just the polls. And then to kind of go a little bit with what you said, we've always had this top 25 poll, so I guess that's the only reason why we're doing this top 25 college football rankings or playoff rankings. But again, it just really doesn't make any sense. Why are we doing this? You said it since week nine on. Why not just do it at the end of the year? Kind of like they did back in the, our whole lives leading up to it. You found out who the, the national championship game really was going to be based on the end of the year. Now you have this thing where, oh, we need a committee to select this and do that. And then the BCS was a whole nother, whatever, debacle. But it really comes down to why all of a sudden do we have to have a committee to decide things? It really wasn't like that when we were younger. Right, and it's almost like you could take a combination of what we're doing now and what we did in the past and go from there. I don't see why. I mean, I, it still kind of confuses me why people are so stubborn to change. Like, it's okay that the system isn't perfect, but that's why you make changes. I think that's you can say that with anything in life is it's okay to be wrong, it's okay to have mistakes, and I get there's not a perfect way, but there are certain flaws that you can address and fix. Alright, so I just wanted to pull this up real quick. I pulled up the members of the college football playoff committee just to see maybe if there was some bias. So let's do this real quick. Chairperson, Kirby Hokett, school, Texas Tech. Frank Beamer, I think most of us know, Virginia Tech. Um, Jeff Bauer is a former Southern Miss coach, so I guess he kind of helps out with the discussion that we're having here. There's a former Central Michigan AD, and I'm sorry I can't pronounce his name, otherwise I would. There is a president from Robert Morris, again, maybe one that helps us out a little bit. But after that, it is AD from Arkansas, AD from Oregon, AD from Clemson, AD from Ohio State, and Tyrone Willingham, who, if you don't remember, was the former coach at Notre Dame. So, again, it seems like there's a little bit more, even based on the team's or the schools, I should say, the schools represented in this, the G5 schools are way, way overmatched in any of this discussion. I mean, just based on it, here we go. There is one, two, three. Three G5 representatives compared to the rest of the committee. Yeah, this is just, yeah, it doesn't... doesn't that, that's, why, that's why they'll just never get... It's like one of those things where... They won't even just watch. 
Well, they're not watching. Like they just won't. You can tell they're, they're you can tell they're not obvious. watching. Obvious. This week proves it. You put a Mississippi State team that just barely beat Arkansas, who's probably going to fire their coach, over a UCF team that's rolling right now. You can tell they're not watching. It's more based on name. It's literally what it is right now. You know, Mississippi State, what conference are they in? Boom. That conference is better than the American. And it shouldn't be like that. Because that's the thing. UCF isn't just, it's not like they're squeaking by most of these games. They're pounding teams. I mean, this game against Temple, I honestly thought it would be a lot closer. Not even close. I mean, I thought it would be a touchdown game. Not even close. UCF ran away with it. They made Newtown have his worst game of the year by far. I mean, they got three turnovers inside the, inside the room 25. I mean, UCF made, and this is the best, this Temple team as of late has actually looked pretty decent too, so. I, I don't know, understand what else that they they have to do. Well, and it just goes back to our point of what's the point of breaking 25 teams? Because you know that they're not watching all 25. So what's the point of ranking 25 teams if you're not watching all 25? That doesn't make sense to me. And I, okay, and it's fine if you're if you're gonna watch four teams, which they they can't watch four teams, but say you're gonna watch the top ten, and you're picking four, that's fine. Don't rank 25 when you're not even paying attention to teams 11 through 25. That it just like then you get stuff like this, where an eight and three Mississippi State team is ranked higher than UCF, and then we don't ever get an explanation for it because what are they worried about? They're worried about the top four and then the next two teams in, so they don't even care about these teams. Which just it goes back to what? Why are they doing 25? It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. I get it's for ratings and whatnot, and I get it's for discussion, but that's stupid. Don't do something if you're not going to pay attention to every single team that you're going to be like ranking. That doesn't make sense. I can't argue that they should bring it back down to ten, just because. I mean, honestly, if you're in that top ten discussion, you're probably. The only shot you got, really. Uh, I think a lot of people point back to a couple of years ago where in Ohio State was, I want to say they were 11th at, honestly, it might have been at this point of the season and they went on, you know, they went on their run and somehow stuck into the, the four into the first year of the playoff and then went on the, you know, the run that they went on. Again, this just brings me back to the point where Mississippi State, a three loss team is ahead of UCF. Why is UCF? To, I mean, we have we have done all the comparisons to Wisconsin, to other conferences, to anything, anything. I mean, we've done everything you can. Literally, there's the one difference: Power Five, not a Power Five. It just basically comes down to that. I'm getting depressed, man. This is so sad. And it is because I mean, we we honestly thought that hey. With, we've got three teams in the AAC who are legit. Like, honestly, I feel like you could put them against just about any team in the country and they will hold their own. And they're still not getting any love whatsoever. 
Like, it doesn't matter. I don't care who UCF plays in the New Year's Six Bowl. I hope they kick the crap out of them, to put it nicely. I can't swear on the podcast, but I hope they just destroy whoever they play. That'll make me so happy. For the sake of the the other teams, like, they won't even get a shot. You know what I mean? And that, again, brings me back to my other point. Like, they won't have a chance to beat up on a Power 5 school to prove, hey, you know what I mean? We're better than you guys. Right. Like, Memphis will get their shot. Yeah, exactly. We've talked about it. Uh, according to a Tanner's, and I don't know if they've changed this week because I didn't pull, pull them up for this show this week, but we they were in the Birmingham Bowl. I'd rather see them go up against some team in a – hell, we brought them up earlier. Let them play Kansas, regardless of record, to prove the point that they're a better team than Kansas. Or play Kentucky. Tanner has them playing Arizona State. So okay, I kind of I thought it had switched. So Arizona State. And what bowl? And what bowl is that now? So that means he switched. Still the Birmingham Bowl. Oh, still the Birmingham Bowl. Okay. But it's better than I don't remember who they're. Middle Tennessee. Like that's I was going to say. That's what I thought it was. Middle Tennessee, but I didn't want to say it wrong. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I guess that's a better opponent, so that would get them more fired up for that game. Yeah. But still, at the same. I don't know. It's one of those things where after the conference game or after conference championship game, what does the bowl game mean? To I mean, if you are UCF and you remain undefeated and you get the the New Year's Six, yes. But the rest of these teams, they really, it, it really like we've talked about. It really depends on your opponent coming in next week. If you draw. A G5 versus G5, it's kind of like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, what's the point of playing this game? If it's a G5 versus a Power 5, the G5 team is going to want to beat up on the Power 5 team. So you kind of brought up a perfect example. I hope, for that sake, that Memphis gets Arizona State and just blows them out of the water. I agree. I, I, don't, I can't add to that. It's, it's the same thing every week, which is sad. And even, I mean, Memphis has been... 20th to 20, I don't remember what they started at, 24th maybe, but like they're not even moving up, they're right behind an 8-3 and three Oklahoma State and LSU team like, I don't know <laughs> Yeah, and and who's their one loss to? UCF That's the thing, they're just And because UCF's ranked so low, that's why Memphis is moving up And then who's Memphis's biggest win of the year as I would, I would argue uh, I would think is a pretty solid win, no? Well, they beat UCLA, which is... I was talking about the, the win over UCLA. Exactly. I mean, they did just fire their coach, but I don't know if that's more has to do with expectations versus they're not doing... I mean, they're 5-6 and six this year. I mean, USC, who's 11th, only beat them by 5 this past week. So what... Hey, proving the argument we just made a second ago, a G5 school... Beat a, I mean, a 5-6 and six Pac-12 team. Regardless, I feel like that's a solid Power 5 school that Memphis went in there and beat. Well, excuse me. I mean, they came to Memphis. Yeah, they were at home. Excuse me, but uh, they were at home. But still, they, I mean, you know what I mean? They won the game. They they proved that they were the better team. Right. Well, I guess it depends. And it depends on if how do you view UCLA at the time versus now. So, like, USC just beat them, and... They just fired their coach. 
but is that the same team that Memphis played, or is it? Do you take that win over UCLA as they, well, they beat the twenty fifth? They were just coming off that that win a, over yeah. or the comeback win over Texas A. Yeah. So Texas you would A&M. think at that point, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, they were at an all time high, I guess, for the whole season, really. And they still went in there and got the job done. But that, I just more wanted to bring up the fact that it's the Pac twelve is one is. It's a power, not just the power five, but it's one of the better power five conferences, I guess. And they won that game. What else do they really have to do to move up? Right. And the, the three, the top three AAC teams, they won their power five matchups this year. Like, what do you want? What else do you want them to do? Between the top three teams, we're talking about two losses. There's not many other conferences that could make that claim. There really isn't. Uh, I just, Right. Most, I think the Big Ten has Wisconsin and a bunch of two losses, if I'm right. I think the SEC, for the most part, is Alabama. ACC has a 10-1, 10-0, and then the next teams have either three or more losses. That's right. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think the Americans, one of the few that is, between their top three, there's only two losses. Yeah, it's the only conference. No love. And on top of that, Again, the one loss for one of those teams is against one of those teams. I mean, we it could be a completely different discussion right now. If we were talking about a, a undefeated Bulls team, I mean, this would be a totally different discussion, I think. I think even the college football playoff committee would be hyping up this game way more. Well, obviously, UCF will probably still be the higher-ranked team at this point. UCF didn't jump ahead until USF lost. Well, I'm trying to look up what was USF ranked in the initial... They weren't even ranked in the initial rankings, so I don't know if that would... Not in the initial rankings, but I think that's the... I think that was the week they actually lost, too. Uh, Yeah, that's right. So I wonder if they would have won that game, where they would have been. They probably would have been sitting at the same spot, the 15... That's the thing! I think, and we've had this argument before too, preseason rankings for some reason matter so much. Like imagine. But they don't. They shouldn't. And we've had this discussion. They shouldn't. Right. It should come down to, you know, what's happened on the field this year. But say it was vice versa. Say we went into this year and it was UCF that came into year ranked, not USF. I don't think we're talking about UCF being a 15. I honestly think we're talking about the, we're definitely talking about being about in the top 10 because they would have been ranked in the top 25 all year long, which again, I think kind of comes back to the whole politics of the whole situation. Like if you started the season in there, you can creep up. And then once you lose, you bottom out basically. And that's what's happening in the, that's what's happening in UCF right now. They're basically just waiting for them to lose one of these last two games because I obviously it's the hardest two games of the season if they win the next one and then go on to the, the championship game. They want them to lose so they can basically, like I said, just bottom them out and just drop them probably out of the top 25, to be honest. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. I understand that they're, they're not all the teams are meant for the top 25, but like the ones that are there, deserve to be there, and they deserve some more respect than the teams that are in there are getting right now, which, I don't know, I, 
it just gets frustrating, you know? Like, it's... And I'm not saying it because, like... Honestly, I come I come from a Power 5 state. Like, so I understand both sides of this, you know, of this story. I understand the Power 5 wanting to be, uh, you know, above the Group of 5. And I understand the Group of 5 wanting that gap to close. But, like, just do the right thing. If a team can play, they can play. It doesn't matter what conference they play for. Amen. When when Houston beat Oklahoma last year, it wasn't Houston, the group of five te- I mean, they said the group of five team beat Oklahoma. It was Houston beat Oklahoma, as if there were no labels on either team. You know? And it's like, that Houston team could ball. And granted, they didn't have, they didn't finish with the greatest year, but you can blame that on Tom Herman for not handling the whole Texas situation very well. But, like, that team could ball. And didn't matter what conference they're in. They beat freaking Oklahoma, who finished, they finished what, 11 and 2 last year? Mm-hmm. You, yeah, you're telling me Houston couldn't play with anybody? They beat an 11 and 2 team that dismantled Auburn in the bowl game. The team can play. Like it, that's that's what's frustrating is if a team can play, then give them that chance. Who cares what conference they're in? I mean, they certainly UCF is not going to care when they play. If say they play Penn State, they're not going to care that Penn State's in the Big Ten. They don't. They don't, they don't care. They're going to go out and try to kill Penn State. You know? Hell yeah, they're going to go in there and want to kill them. And I think that. Comparison to Houston, I think, is kind of perfect in regards to what I was saying about UCF earlier. That year, or last year, excuse me, Houston went into the season. They were the ranked team. I don't remember what they were coming into the season. They started 15th. Okay, so they, yes, that's what I thought they were. I didn't want to be wrong again. Uh, they were 15th. They were going against Oklahoma, which was a highly ranked team at that time. They were third. Third, right? Okay, yeah. And Houston got all the way up to six. I need to trust my memory a little bit more. You know I, your stuff. I just don't want to be wrong, to be honest. But I guess I well, do. Houston got all the way up to six, too. And then, obviously, things went wrong. But, like, I don't even remember. Did they Did they make the initial rankings? Uh, that we would have to research. That I don't remember. But what I wanted to, why I brought that back up, kind of, was just... More of because, okay, so Houston started off the season at 15th, right? Right. And they bumped up to 6th. American was a perfectly great conference at that point, right? Right. What's changed? Nothing. Literally, I, I mean, I'll make this comparison now. Greg Ward is what made Houston such a big deal last year. I mean, there was a lot of Heisman hype around Greg Ward last year. You could have made the same, I mean, we did come into the season. We could make the same argument about USF and Quentin Flowers coming this year. We, I mean, like I said, we did. We made that argument. And then who's to say that if they were still on the feeder right now, we're not talking about USF team that's in the top 10. And then if we were in the same scenario now and both of these teams were undefeated, could we honestly be talking about potentially one of these teams being that 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 final four team? 
probably, I mean, we could be talking about that, but the committee's certainly not. I meant as a committee. You don't think so. That's the thing. I, I mean, I don't think so too, but like, I don't understand why not either. If, if we were coming into this weekend with two 10 and 0 teams, I don't understand how you cannot have that discussion based on what is going on around the rest of the country right now. I know obviously we're playing hypo, major hypothetical right now, but if, if, if UCF pulls off that, or excuse me, USF, Pulls off that win against Houston, and we're talking about ten and zero teams on both sides. Would this have any bowl implication whatsoever? Because, like we've talked about, some of these other teams that are ahead of them are are, are two, three lost teams, and they're still ranked ahead. Well, I think we might get our answer not this week, but next week, because if UCF beats USF. They're going to play Memphis again, and that's two ranked teams. Granted, Memphis isn't undefeated, but their one loss is to UCF. So if UCF beats another ranked team from their conference and doesn't move up, then it, it wouldn't have mattered if USF was undefeated. And if they do, then we'll find out that they would have moved up. But I think at this point, it's we'll, we can both agree it's too little too late because the committee's already made up their minds. Yeah, I mean, now that they're sitting at 15, I mean, there's obvious no jump of getting into that four, which we've talked about for weeks now. But it's just getting to the point now, I don't understand why they're not in the top 10. Should we go down that route? Let's play a hypothetical where South Florida wins this week. They go in the championship game, and we're talking now we're talking about two one-loss teams. Wins the conference. Do they somehow magically spike up? Uh, I mean, obviously not in the discussion of the the playoff, but are they still the G five representative in the New Year Six Bowl? See, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I thought I knew what the committee was going to do. I I think now I it just kind of just hit me now as always. I was like kind of going through that whole discussion. Do we start the discussion of uh, obviously you know? USF wins both games. It's really no discussion. We're, they will be in that New Year Six game. But if I mean, let's play some of these hypotheticals. So UCF loses, or UCF loses this weekend, and we're talking about the winner of Memphis versus USF. Is the winner of that game going to the New Year Six Bowl? Is that a guarantee at this point? I want to say it is. That's the thing. We say that as fans of this conference. Who else is going to get? I mean, Boise State's probably the only other team that will get in. Well, Boise's, yeah, the highest-ranked team. And I'm a fan of Boise this year, but I don't think they are. I I don't think, like, Boise against these three teams. I'm going, I'm sorry, I'm going with the three American teams. I'd probably pick Boise over USF, but that's just me. I might be in the minority, but I'm going to stick with that. Just I'm. You just. Hey, you're, you're you've been bullish on USF all year. Yeah, look at look at the schedule, man. They they aren't playing good competition, which isn't their fault, but they're not looking good against bad competition. So. I mean, I've watched the games with you all season long, so I totally agree with you. And I think I don't know if it's just a problem for me. Well, I just look at flowers and think. Well, he's just the best football player when he gets on the field. 
regardless of who they're playing. So he'll figure out a way for them to win that game. But anyways, I guess now let's get off this rant because we'll be here forever. We will be here forever. Um, do you want to just dive through these power rankings real quick? Because I only have one minor argument that I want to make. Otherwise, well, we talked about these obviously going in, but then after the fact, I thought of something else. Uh, you just want to go just dive through these real quick? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so the obvious is um, ECU at number one. Um, whoa, 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 what, what? Oh. ECU? Oh, excuse me, sorry. Wow, you're really coming around. Whoa, they they won by a lot. Put them at number one. Oh. That's what I should have done to make you upset. Well, let's start this over. <laughs> I wish you could see the the grin on my face right now. <laughs> um, number one, the Knights, obviously. Memphis, number two. Bulls, number three. Minor change here. Navy over Houston. Right? Am I right about that? No, that was the week before we did that change, right? No, you put we put Navy over. Yeah, we did do it. Yeah, we did do it this week. Yeah. That's right. Yep. It was this. Oh yeah, Houston. That's what we need to talk about. That is another discussion we need to get into. Houston. Oh man. With a. I mean, we both didn't see it coming. We both didn't see that one coming. A loss to Tulane team. Uh. Just to keep just going through it real quick. SMU is at number six. Temple at seven. Tulane at eight. Can't believe I'm about to say this. ECU at number nine. Yeah, let's go. ECU at number nine. And guess what? I can't argue it. That's about as nice as as they're going to be to them this year. Oh. Yeah, it's easy when the next three teams are just as bad. Um, Cincinnati at this. Okay, so we have in our thing, we have Cincinnati at 10, UConn at 11, and Tulsa at 12. Once I looked at it, if you look at records, yes, obviously Tulsa is the worst team. I don't think Tulsa should be the worst team in our power rankings, though. I changed my mind after we put these out. Just because Tulsa's been in so many close games, as opposed to UConn, ECU have just gotten blown out in most of their games, that's the only reason why I wanted to make that a little bit of an argument. So me personally, I want to take Tulsa off the bottom, even though you have been by far the most disappointing team of this season. And I think that's part of the reason why Joey decided to put you so long, just we're, we're just so disappointed. I honestly want to argue, I mean, they held, they held their own for a little bit against USF. That's why I really don't think they should be on the bottom. Yeah, but so did, so did a one in ten San Jose State team for a half, you know, so. Stop it. Stony Brook was beating them. We should put Stony Brook at 12. That's who we should Hey, be. at one point we already put James Madison in 12, alright? <laughs> we got away from that. We got to do that again. Yeah, we already put James Madison. At, well, I think that was the second week of the season, actually. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was at one point that did happen. So again, I, that was the only argument I wanted to make. I wanted to put Tulsa, but again, I, I felt like 
UConn should have totally been on the bottom considering they had three points scored heading into the fourth quarter of their game against Boston College. Boston College team that doesn't score a lot of points and both of those teams let me down in my underplay. I never honestly would have thought that those two teams could have scored 50 points. Honestly, I could have, I would have never thought UConn and Boston College would have scored 17 points. But hey. That's true. That's just, um, I guess that. I can't believe we spent more than a minute talking about these bottom four teams. I guess that is also true. We talked about them more than with some of the other teams right in the middle of the pack. Alright, so I guess on this note, we were gonna look ahead into the games ahead. Uh, I kinda just kinda briefed it in a little bit. We're gonna really dive into the matchup between USF and UCF in a little bit. But I guess before we bring on Nick, me and Joey are just gonna go through the rest of the slate here. Uh, there is Another game on Friday, which I don't understand why there is a, a game on Friday afternoon. I understand it's Black Friday, but hey, it's a shame because these are actually two solid teams in the AAC. They're not going to get anybody to really watch them. That is two six of four teams, Navy at Houston. Again, this is at 12 p.m. on ESPN. Houston, a four and a half point favorite. Navy's the team that's really hard to figure out any of these point scales with because I think they just proved last week against Notre Dame, who was a big favorite, that they can really hold their own against anyone in the country as long as they're playing their style of game. Which we've been saying the whole year is... And we we could honestly say that for the next five, ten years. Right. It's just the triple option is just always going to be an offense that if you run it correctly, you can compete with anybody, regardless of how good the defense is. You can make your mark against a team that is significantly better than you. And now, <laughs> they had that week against Notre Dame last week, but they could easily, I mean, this just because this is how this team is, but they could easily look terrible against Houston this week. and They have to play against Ed Oliver, but luckily with that offense, you don't have to really focus on one defender because you have multiple ways to gash a defense. But even though they played well last week, they could they could slip up this week. Another game is Tulane against SMU. That game means a little bit more for Tulane. A Tulane win gets them to bowl eligibility, while SMU, arguably at this point, really doesn't have anything to play for, and they are a 7.5-point favorite. Uh, that game is at 12 p.m. on Saturday on the CBS Sports Network. Again, just for that reason that I just mentioned there, SMU really doesn't have anything to honestly to play for in this game. Tulane has bowl eligibility that are trying to qualify for, so that could be a reason there. But it comes down to really where I just honestly think that while this season has been one that SMU offensively can definitely hang their head on, it has been on the other side of the ball where they really need to figure things out because 
in that game this week against Memphis, I mean, they proved that they can score enough points, but they've got to make a couple stops on defense. And that's been the argument we've had all season long about this team. And, and nothing has changed. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. Nothing has changed. Offense can score, defense can't stop. Period. Move on. A hundred percent true. I feel like that's been the case with them and a couple other teams in this conference like that all season long. Uh, the other 12 o'clock game is one we don't have to talk about much. It is ECU at Memphis. Memphis is 28 point favorite. I guess that's the only thing we really need to talk about. Memphis is going to win by like 35, 40. Do I need to respond? Does that require a response? Yeah, do you agree with me? I want, I want a yes that you I want, agree. I want Memphis to win by 70 so that we can hype up this UCF Memphis matchup even more. I like where your head's at. Alright, and then we have another uh, 12 o'clock game. Again, really, a game for two teams that, I'm sorry, we are obviously doing this for the American, but at this point, it's the last game of the season for these two teams, so it really doesn't matter. UConn and Cincy, they're both 3-8. and eight. I don't know. Do you have anything to say? Other than Cincinnati, Cincinnati has been our second biggest letdown this year. Agreed. I'm kind of disappointed. Yeah. Cincinnati had a chance to make a bowl game for these last three games, and then they went out and lost to Temple, which isn't surprising with how Temple's playing, but then they lost to ECU, which... that's a, That was the surprising game. That was the downer. Yeah, that one. And then... And then it was because of this game, we honestly thought that they could maybe pull it out. And then, so it is the last AAC regular season game of the year, and it is Temple taking on Tulsa. Again, this Temple team is getting a win here. They will be bowl eligible, so it's big to them. Tulsa, 2-9 team, who I've, I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier who's been on the wrong side of, of a couple losses. They could easily be probably five and four, four and five, something like that, but it just hasn't been the case this year. Uh, Temple gets a win. They're bowl eligible. But again, the whole reason why we've been doing this podcast all season long is because we've been looking forward to this matchup, the end of the season, it is the war on I-4. That's UCF versus USF. Tell me your thoughts before we bring our friend Nick on, because then he's going to have, obviously, a whole lot of fire to spit, seeing how he comes from USF. Well, I'm going to be the unpopular opinion and say that I don't see how USF can compete with UCF, uh, especially if they continue this inexplicable trend of starting slow, and UCF is not a team that you can start slow with and expect to compete. Quentin Flowers is great. We've talked about him. But if your team can't put points on the board early and can't keep up or keep the other team off the scoreboard, then you're going to have a tough time winning the game. Maybe they'll surprise me and... Went, pull out a win somehow, but I just, with the po- it's not 
it's not just that they've played a poor schedule. It's they've played a poor schedule and they've struggled to pull away early from teams that are be- are worse than them. And while that's fine that you can do that against bad teams, you can just hang out and just wait until your team is ready to flip the switch. But what's going to happen when UCF puts up 30 in the first quarter or the first half on USF and USF scores 7 or 0 points? You're not going to be able to just flip it on in the third quarter. So what happens when they're down like that? Are they going to be calm or are we going to see what happened? against Houston. Are we going to see a, a team that couldn't make a stop when they needed it and they're going to lose the game? Because right now this team's starting slow and they're getting away with it, but that's not always going to continue. I think that might have been a case, especially in the early part of the season, of playing down their competition. I mean, we have talked all season long about how San Jose State, I feel like I, I hate to just pick on them all the time, but they're the team that, in the coming in the year, we thought that, that they would be blown out and they held their own for much of the season. And that, and that looked to be a trend, but I feel like as in recent weeks, and yeah, the starts hasn't always been as crisp as they probably wanted them to be, but since they've gotten in the conference play, it's gotten a lot better. And then I think now that they're at the point where, hey, this is it for their season. It's not just the bowl implications or the or the AAC title game implications. I think both squads. I think for to be honest, I think the whole conference had this game circled on the on their schedule coming into the year to say. If this game didn't mean something coming into the season, yeah, I, I think we could both agree that the whole conference kind of failed itself if this game didn't matter coming into the year. Just based on all the hype behind USF coming into the year, I, we just talked about it a little bit earlier. They were the highest ranked team coming into the season. They, who knows where they're ranked if they were an undefeated team right now. And then again, if UCF was undefeated too. So it's just one of those things where, as a conference, I really don't know where the American is going to go going forward. Just because I, I, we've reached a point now where we have a 9-1 team and a 10-0 team. No other conference has that going on. It means something in the sense of, okay, a conference championship game. And then... The winner of that game, say the winner of this game goes to win on the conference, who I think we could probably argue is who we think would be the favorite, regardless. They they have no shot. They just have no shot at anything after that conference championship game. Yeah, it's going to be a good matchup. I'm glad that it still means what it means is meant at the beginning of the year. And I mean, maybe it maybe I'll be wrong and. USF will pull off some sort of miracle, but I'm just happy that this game's still important, and we'll see how it plays out. I mean, like we kind of talked about last week, we can argue this is this is the G5 game of the year. I don't think there's any question about that, too. Yeah, until other until other than I mean, until next week. Yeah, until next week, which is great that it tops one tops the other. 
I think this game just I'm, just because of the, because it's a rivalry too. I feel like that this matters a little bit more. That's why I feel like this game matters a little bit more than say the game next week. But I guess the selection committee doesn't really care about any of this whatsoever. So yeah, they won't be watching. So who cares, right? Yeah, right. I guess that's who cares is the perfect way to put it. So I guess this right here is we're doing all this talk about USF and UCF. It's a perfect time to bring on our guest for this week, Nick Armstrong. He is another writer with us over at Underdog Dynasty. If you haven't seen any of his writing, check him out. But the real reason why we wanted to bring him on in this episode is because he knows everything about the War on I-4 rivalry that will be taking place in a couple days here, we want to bring him on because he is a junior at USF. So, Nick, say what's up to everybody here. Hey, everyone. Congratulations. You're our first guest on the show also. Well, thank you. It's an honor. Yeah, because we, well, Joey's better with this technical stuff uh, than I am. So that's the only reason why. Otherwise, I would have brought you on a long time ago. But part of the reason why, like I said, we want to bring Nick on. Nick has also brought a lot of discussion to the whole group. Not just on our uh, Slack, but actually on the uh, comment board and things like that. So he's been a great addition to the team since coming on. But basically, like I said, we really want to just bring you on and ask about your student there. This is the game that arguably we know that we've been waiting for all season long. UCF is undefeated. USF is coming in with one loss. The winner is the uh, AAC East representative. Give us a little bit of a heads up on what's the uh, vibe heading into this week down there in South Florida. Well, right now it's uh, it's a pretty big matchup here. Uh, a lot of people here are pretty pumped about the uh, how the rivalry has really developed and have, have really uh, grown accustomed to seeing the UF-FSU UF, uh, rivalry. But now the big focus heading into the weekend is going to be this game on ABC at 3.30. So um, really early on, USF really dominated the rivalry. Um, it wasn't really the war on I-4 yet. Was, uh, they were in the Big East, and UCF was in Conference USA. Um, so the, the talent pool is pretty different at first, and then it started to narrow, and as soon as UCF won that big bowl game against Baylor, uh, that's when they really started considering them a arch rival. And some pretty nasty things have been said between each fan base. I've heard stuff like... Uh, I've heard them call us the cows of the south, and that and we call them Oviedo Community College. So, I mean, there's some pretty nasty things. Both the fan bases and the teams actually don't like each other very much at all. So pretty much the vibe going in is everyone's pretty pumped about the game, and we're going to see how everything goes on the field on Friday. Now you kind of just mentioned that it's a rivalry, but it really hasn't been much of one. Uh, USF has won six of the eight meetings. They won the 48-31 to 31 last year. Uh, I think there was one thing that also hasn't really been talked about. I know that Scott Frost kind of brought it up, and it's the fact that UCF is on a short week, yeah. and South Florida did get a couple extra days. Well, I guess just an extra day, but it is an extra day to prepare themselves for this. Um, is that something that is really going to be a factor in the end? Cause, I mean, it's football in the end, and we know that these guys have been mentally prepping themselves for this game all season long. 
I mean, it definitely, when, when there's Thanksgiving right around the corner, a lot of the fans actually don't like the fact that it's a short week for both sides because it really hurts both schools. And having it on a Black Friday when there's not very much TV attendance as well, there's, it's just not not really good for the rivalry compared to what like what UF and FSU, they have their game at noon on Saturday. So it's very tough to generate a following when most of your fans are watching the game. They're doing other things on that day. So, And a lot of the, the coaches don't like it down here. That's the vibe that's going on down here is a lot of people just don't like the short week. It hurts both the schools, hurts the players, more susceptible to injuries. They get tired very quickly. We actually may not see this type of shootout that we're expecting, this high point affair when both teams, like USF is averaging 19.9 points per game and USF, or, um, no, that's used, USF is averaging 19.9 points per game and UCF is 20.5 points per game. So especially on a short week, we may not see the offensive explosion when they don't have that much time to prep. So I, I agree with your point that that short week is obviously, I mean, like you said, any short week that you have is one I think that coaches and players don't really like. But do you think that because of you have you know you have Ohio State, Michigan, you have Alabama, Auburn, you have the Apple Cup with Washington, Washington State. Do you think it's better that this game gets its own day, or would you still like to see them play on a Saturday, even if they have to compete with those bigger schools? Do you think they get less attention for that, or do you think it's good that they're having it on their own day? I mean, there's there's pros and cons to both sides. I mean, it, you definitely it's good that they do get their own day, or there's not very much competition for TV. But as far as if we're looking for the best game that that brings the best out of both teams, the short week's not going to do it. You're not you're going to see teams that are tired. Frankly, I mean, they just if UCF just made the trip up to Philly, and although they won pretty handily, it's still you know driving all the way there or flying up there, and then. Now they have to stay in. I heard that they're going to stay in hotels during the, uh, you know, Thanksgiving break. So it's it's tough on these teams, and it's going to be tough with this short week to see the uh, progress of what these teams are doing. Now you kind of brought up the fact that this game is at three thirty, and I think that's also a disadvantage for. I know how you have gotten really big in the attendance, so and I want you to kind of touch on that a little bit too. But also to the fact that, I mean, a three thirty. Sh- Slot is really hard, like, for me personally, 3.30, I'm in the middle of doing things. If that was a night game, if that was a 7 o'clock game, 8 o'clock game, a primetime game, which on a Friday night, I think that would have been the ideal spot for them. Not not just in terms of TV, I think in terms of attendance also. I mean, it's Black Friday. People have a lot going on that day. Yeah, that, that is true. The thing that down here though is that every it, I've heard that they're almost sold out of this game. That, that that it doesn't really matter at this point. I think the attendance there for both fan bases is going to be very well represented. Um, I think that it's more of the, it, it's the TV issue for me. That I agree with you. The 7 p.m. game probably would have the slot would have been much better, but I think that's solely based on really what the committee has thought of USF over the past few weeks. Um, they haven't really thought very highly of them. Obviously, they're still not in the rankings after tonight. Um, so they probably think of them as a little less. If this was a top 15 matchup, they are both undefeated going in. Maybe you have a shot at that 7 o'clock primetime spot, and they would have generated a lot more attention. It's just sad that you know one play really ruined their chances of a great year. They still have. I mean, they still have control their own destiny. Obviously, if they beat UCF. They're they're going to that. AAC championship game against Memphis, which 
I mean, that's that's a great position for them to be in, considering the year that they've been having. It's been kind of a, a little bit of a roller coaster. It, we've talked about. I mean, Nick, you and I, and Joe, even Joe too, have, we talked about USF's slow starts. And I think last week, I guess I want to go into a little bit. I they didn't really have a slow start, as like you said, you mentioned in our our messaging group that they they're starting out fast, but then. It ended up being a seven-point win only. So do you think that that had more to do with they were kind of looking past Tulsa and they were looking forward to this game, or do you think that's still an issue that the Bulls have to deal with? Well, there are really two issues with that. Um, the first is yeah, I, th- I think they might have been looking ahead because Charlie's been in the staff has been really been doing that all year. You can see it in every game. They get a nice lead, like the Tulane game. They get a nice big lead, and then they suddenly they put in the second string players in the third, middle third quarter, and it's a six point win. So you, know, you, you see that kind of stuff, and it's frustrating as a fan base. Also, you, you have to think about the play calling. That's been an issue all year long. We have been calling for the offensive coordinator's head all year. He just wants to run these. Stupid plays where he'll run the halfback dive on two consecutive plays to get no yards, and then he'll throw a 30-yard vert with uh, Quinton's noodle arm, which is not exactly the type of offense we are accustomed to seeing here. We're used to seeing screens and using speed to their advantage. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for going into the UCF game, that they'll play to their strengths, and that will give them a chance. Hopefully they call Willie back up and get that old playbook because we're, we're missing that offense. Despite us averaging 37 points a game, it's it's looked ugly for a lot of the season, and we're kind of disappointed. But cheers Charlie's chance. He has one. This is the whole reason he came here and why we spent money to bring him here was he has one chance to win us the AAC championship with the arguably the best quarterback in the conference and one of the best dual threats in the nation. So here's your chance to really impress and potentially – make a bid for that Florida vacancy. And well, that's funny you say that because last week we kind of joking that whoever wins that game could be the front runner for the Florida job. Uh, so I think that is hilarious that you say that. But I kind of wanted to bring it back to the fact. So I want to play hypothetical here a little bit. Right now, you kind of brought it up a little bit earlier. UCF is sitting at 15 uh, I guess in a second we can dive into the hypocrisy that that is because that just doesn't make any sense that they don't move up whatsoever and other teams are jumping ahead of them. But what I w- really wanted to say is, so let's let's play this situation here. USF comes away with the win this week. That obviously ends UCF's undefeated season. It'll put USF in the title game. You will have USF and Memphis in that game or in the title game there. So that would make, arguably, I would say that Memphis is the top G5 team, right? At that point, yeah. Okay, so then let's say the next game, in the championship game, the USF pulls that off. Does that give bring us back to the discussion of where, well, we entered the season thinking that the Bulls were the best G5 team at this point now, why weren't they, you know, one? it was only one loss. Why were they knocked so far back compared to everybody else? Well, as you guys have said all year long, it's really, they played a really weak schedule. And that some of that might mean not to the fault of their own. I mean, it, you looking back a few years ago, San Jose State might have, was actually kind of decent. 
and some of these teams were okay. Temple was good last year. Tulsa was good last year. So you look at these teams, and you know, to the maybe not to the fall of their own, their schedule was weak, but it is still weak. So I understand why maybe the committee might have not put them higher and not in the rankings this week. But still, at some point, you have to see that one loss came off really a couple bad plays. And they're still a really good team. If you look at all their stats, they're almost equal to UCF in many of their stats. And it's it's just a shame to see something like tonight where South Carolina jumps out in front where their only really good win is NC State. And they're not even in the top 25 anymore. So it's, it's a little disappointing that the G5 is just getting disrespected in that way. You brought up Charlie before. Um, what? So last year the defense was kind of the issue and coming into this year it was how was, how was the defense going to improve to help Quentin Flowers and the offense out? Have you seen in, in, in the offensive play calling obviously isn't what you guys have wanted it, but have you guys seen a difference on defense? I think I have. I don't know if Joe has, but have you guys seen a difference with Charlie mm-hmm. there? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, we, what we've seen is we had no idea, other than Dietrich Nichols, which is our really our star corner, uh, we had no idea what the secondary was going to look like. They were a little bit undersized when we had a hole at linebacker with a couple with a graduation. So this defense seemed like it was going to be heading even worse than it already was with lots of leadership loss, but uh, Mazzy Wilkins, another corner, is he's our best cover corner now. He's they moved Dietrich over to the nickel, and he's our best he, now. Mazzy's our best cover corner now, so he's watch for him in that big. He'll make a few big plays. He'll probably be matched up against Trayvon Smith. Um, and the uh, linebacker, we have a solid unit with Augie Sanchez leading it, obviously, and then the newcomer Nico Sautel, who is having a great year uh, right there with Augie. And the defensive line is also strong with a bunch of veteran leadership. You got Deidre Sinat and Bruce Hector, and now the uh, the walk on uh, scholarship uh, kid uh, Greg Reeves. He's another great disruptive force. I mean, they're really confident in their defensive prowess. And I I think as I said, I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring than we probably would think. Um, you know, we probably see these teams go in a shootout and go to 50 points, first one to 50 wins, but I think we might see a little bit more of a defensive battle, especially early if USF decides that they want it, their game plan is to take time off the clock and not let UCF have offensive possessions and limit every drive they have. I think we could see a defensive battle, and Charlie's very confident in his defense. That has been the one side of the ball that has very impressed me. I think we kind of expected that Charlie Strong would make a difference on the defensive side of the ball, but I don't think we expected this level that he has. I mean, you can argue that they have the best defense in the conference. I, anybody want to say otherwise? No, I'd say they're pretty close. UCF and USF are probably the best defensive in the conference. I mean, I can't, I can't argue that. Can't argue with that whatsoever. But I kind of want to bring it back. So you kind of almost went on a rant about the whole G5, or excuse me, the college football playoff thing. And we have been on the record, well, I have officially been on the record of saying that I think the G5 playoff is something that should maybe be considered. Um, tell me what is your opinions on both sides, one of what you think of UCF's rank, I understand you're from USF, but you're, you know, you're a Florida guy, so you understand what's going down there a little bit more. So tell me what you think of what is going on with UCF, and then 
do you agree? I, I don't expect a lot of people to agree with me, but about the whole G5 playoff idea. Well, I, I, as my, I am a USF guy, but I think UCF is very underranked. I think they are, you, you see a 10 and 0 record, 48 points per game with 522 yards. I mean, you, you, at some point, when are the, when is the statistics going to jump off the page? And as you guys alluded to earlier in other podcasts, they have a very similar resume as Wisconsin, who is a top five team. So, I mean, at some point, is it, is it just, the discrepancy between the G5 versus the P5, is that the only difference? Or is it going to, you know, it, it's frustrating to see. As a USF fan, I'm frustrated for UCF as I think that they could probably be at least a top 10 team. I don't know. I, I guess what they're trying to see is if UCF head-to-head with these teams, would they win? And it's more of a toss-up. I don't know if they're using, like, FBI or something like that. Maybe they're projecting UCF to lose. So maybe that's why. I, I'm not really sure why that's happening, but as far as the G5 playoff go, we want down here is more of a, um, a con- if you win your conference, you play in the NCAA tournament basketball type fashion. So each conference winner would get to play uh, another team. It's uh, top team versus the bottom conference um, and so on until you get all the way down to your champion. Um it gives it more of a chance, all the teams from the G5, at least a shot. Because right now, at the current status of where we're at, you know, we're, the G5 is being completely neglected. With UCF at 10 and 0 at 15, that's it's there. There's no shot that they would make it. They would have to have Houston's type of schedule that they had earlier in order to have even a shot at the playoff in this scenario. So at least in the other scenario where there's 10 teams and you play a few less games, you only play the teams in your division. The winners, the, you know, if you win your conference, you move on. That at least gives the G5 a chance to beat those P5 teams. I like it. I just think it makes the most sense at this point where we are. I don't, I don't I think a G5 playoff at this point. I mean, we're, we're, we're so close. If you took USF, UCF, Houston, Memphis, if you stuck them in and plugged them in in any of the bottom, uh, any of the bottom tier conferences like the, uh, the Big 12, you stick a, you know, Houston instead of Kansas, they would do much better than Kansas would ever think about doing. So it's just frustrating to see that these good teams are getting neglected just because they don't have the money or the TV network and power that, you know, a team like Texas or Oklahoma has. I 100% agree with you. You brought up the Wisconsin debate, and I think that's the main reason why UCF is not in the discussion, just because of that fact right there. I mean, they don't have the finances behind them that these other schools do. I mean, we were just talking about it. I brought it up. Mississippi State doesn't make sense for them to jump ahead of UCF. The only reason they are, what conference are they in? Yeah, the SEC. I mean, that's... That's that's what it is, and then I've kind of alluded to it a little bit on our on our last podcast. The selection committee and all of this stuff comes down to all these games are played on what channel? Yeah. It it seems always seems to come down to the money in the end. So that's part of the reason why you said it perfectly. You shove any of those four teams that you brought up into the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, like you said. Hell. Some of those SEC bottom feeder teams, 
the AAC would definitely compete with all of them. Absolutely. I I really do think that I really, especially the two teams that we're talking about now, for the most part, the two Florida teams, me and Joey have been on the record saying if there's expansion, these would be the first two teams to go by far. I think that is no question about that just because, not just because of the recent success, I think just because of the facilities that they have and all things considered like that as well. I want to bring it back to the slow starts. I've been harping on it all year, and I think it's just more because of the competition that they've played. Now, I know, like you like you said earlier, they, it's nothing that they can do uh, in terms of scheduling, but the one thing that they do have control over is how they start these games. So... How do you feel as a fan, or what is the general consensus of, one, those slow starts, and two, playing against a team like UCF who can put up points in a hurry? How does a team like USF fix those issues, and how do they keep themselves in the game so that they're not out of it by halftime? Well, it, again, it all centrals back to the play calling. At first, when I first watched this, the, you know, the opener against San Jose, I thought maybe it's just the new system. And then when it, it's, you know, they told us later, well, they're going to take an adjustment period. Okay, so we wait and you know a couple games and see if there's an adjustment period that happened. Then they tell us after a couple other slow starts, no, it's it's just. You know, we, we gotta get Quentin, it's, it's the players, we're not executing, we're not executing right, Quentin's not hitting his throws, the linebackers aren't doing their jobs, you know, the, the offensive linemen aren't getting their blocks. So it's, they, they, they put a very central emphasis on the players not executing, and I think, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but that's what Charlie's analysis has been. Most of the time he'll throw the players under the bus, is what I've seen as a fan, and I, I don't really like how he, his, his approach, he doesn't really take the only time he took fault was against the Houston, with that fourth and twenty-four with Houston. Uh, but other than that, he really puts emphasis on the players to block right. And they've said all year too that the uh, the playbook will open up, but we still haven't really seen the playbook open up too much. We're still seeing no throws to the running backs, which we've been harping on that we've been wanting to see. And Sterling Gilbert's been pretty stubborn about it; he's not going to throw to his running backs. Um, it's been pretty depressing as far as that goes. Um, we're hoping to see maybe the golf, you know, that Gulf Coast offense come back where we see more screens, the jet sweeps, the weird formations, maybe to get UCF, you know, thrown off to see what they, you know, so they have a different tape than what we're actually playing with. Um, my key goal in this game to watch for is essentially keeping UCF on the sideline. If USF can run the ball with success, take time off the clock and generate first downs and do all they can do to keep that offense off the field. Um, but I kind of want to just so like bring it back to the game a little bit, just little knickknacks. Cause only these, these are things that only maybe you would know because you go to the schools. So, and I know you've kind of said it, but I would just want to put it out. So tickets, how much are they? Uh, well, maybe a month ago, they were like 50 to a hundred dollars for the front row seats. Now they're hundreds for the farthest back seat. I don't quote me exactly, but they're they're hundreds. You can't get a cheap ticket anymore uh, to this game. There are a lot. Of, there are a lot of money now. That's why I'm actually not going for that reason. I don't have the money to to go to this game, so I'll be one of those watching on ABC. 
well, that was kind of my next question. You're going to be watching or you're going to be tailgating there? No, I'll, I'll be watching from home. I, I, the black, again, another thing that I don't like about the Black Friday is I don't like to go out during that time. It's a little dangerous down here. The people get a little crazy. So, uh, try to stay as safe as possible. And I think the game, watching the game from there. Plus, I, if, if this turns out to be a slugfest, I don't want to watch my team lose in, in Orlando. It's just a little humiliating. All right, then, uh, where are you going to be watching the game? I'll, I'll be watching it from my house. I'll just have a little party down at, down at my house and, uh, with my parents. We'll just have some fun down there. All right. If you are, okay. If you are from USF, where is the place to watch the game? Well, I mean, it, there's some places on campus. There's some, there's a world of beer around here that Charlie has his, his, uh, radio shows on every week. He goes on the radio and, has it there? So World of Beer near campus on Fowler. You have uh, you could watch it at Beef's, the Beef the Brady's on campus. Uh, really, this there's a there's a ton of places. Buffalo Wild Wings. They'll all have the games. Nick, you got anything else that you want to say before we kill this? Uh, anything, I, anything at all? I just want to say that I cannot believe that South Carolina was rated ahead of USF this week. That is absolutely an egregious, awful selection. That, that, it just makes no sense. I know I alluded to it earlier, but it's it, it's just terrible. And I, I, I've heard, and I've actually thought about this um, conspiracy almost, is if they ranked USF this week in the top 25, that would make them a little bit more, they'd have a, probably a better resume currently than Wisconsin. If you put a top 25 USF team and UCF actually comes out with a win, they have a better resume than Wisconsin in my mind. So, food for thought, it might be, it might be a little bit of a conspiracy where they're just trying to get these power five teams rated ahead and they're not going to give the G5 any respect and including UCF. They don't, if they go undefeated, it won't matter. Hot take, man. I like it. And proving my point that we need a G5 playoff. <laughs> like everything you just said there. All right, Nick, really want to appreciate you joining us. Like I said, you were the first one to come on. And the reason why we picked you is because since you've came on the team, you have been, without a doubt, the most talkative person. I mean, me and Joey talked to each other, but as a group, it, it, you definitely brought a different chemistry to the group, so we really appreciate that. Um before we let you go, let the people know where they can follow you on the social media if they want to do that. I have no social media at all. I oh. stay, I completely clean off social media. You might be able to find me on Facebook, but I don't ever check Facebook. So, <laughs> not a social media guy. Well, in that case, I feel honored. <laughs> I feel honored to be in a group. You can read my articles on the website and comment below, and we'll have great discussions. That you do bring. Joey, anything you want to add to this? No, sir. All right, once again, Nick, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been fun. I know we're going to talk soon. Well, thank you all for having me. I really appreciate coming on here, sharing some thoughts. It was a lot of fun. And we'll bring you back. We'll bring you back. I don't know when because now that the season's over. Uh, once we get to maybe the bowl season and we're going to have some time in between games, we'll, we'll find some ways to get 
uh, we'll get you back on. We'll Absolutely. figure it out. I'd love it. Thank you. All right. I guess that is the end of episode 43. We want to once again thank Nick for joining me and Joe on the show. Like I said earlier, that was the first time we've had a guest on this show. Uh, we're going to hope to maybe have another guest next week. We'll see how uh, things play out, if we can pull that off. Uh, hopefully, maybe if UCF wins, we'll get the UCF side of that. But until next time, everybody enjoys the war on I-4. I think that's a game that not just American football fans should watch, but all fans in the country should watch. It'll be a game between two really good football teams. And before I sign off, Joey, want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. You as well. I hope you fun, have some fun watching football the next couple of days, and I think we're on the same boat. Let's go UCF. Let's get a undefeated American team in that New Year's Six game. <laughs>